Hi, this is Ross Payton here with Roleplaying Bulwark Radio. This is RPPR episode 67, Be a Better Player. And with me, as always, is Tom Church. Man, sorry, I'm just admiring the way your face juts out when you're doing that. <laughs> I know, I can't help it. It's it's tradition now, and I, I know, but fear I, the listeners well, I know, I can no longer comment kill on, me if I stop doing it. But I can no longer comment on the voice. I think I've said everything that must be said about the voice, <laughs> but it is your... the. Physical appearance you have when this happens that now fascinates me. Oh, I see. You're moving on. So now there'll be well, they'll, they'll, the 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 listeners will get a chance to uh, see our faces made for radio soon enough. Because uh, 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 speaking of news, we the Kills Explosion Kickstarter was a, a resounding success. We raised twenty eight hundred dollars. Of course, ten ten percent of that goes to uh, Kickstarter. Uh, but the this will uh, uh, allow us to get us camera. In fact. Uh, I've already ordered. I've already got the camera. It's a Canon XA10. Uh, it's Plug. a very nice. Yeah, well, it's a very nice HD camera, and it's very. Uh, uh, I, I got it on sale, but still, it was expensive. But whatever. Um, <laughs> anything yeah. for the fans. Ross anything. will spend any amount of money. Um, I'm actually thinking about doing a, a documentary or a series of mini documentaries. Uh, called Fantasy Heartbreaker. Have you heard of this term, Tom? Yeah, I have. Yeah, for those of you who don't know. Um, it's a term used in the RPG industry to describe the people who put together uh, pen and paper RPGs that are like D&D, but with a different skill system or something like that. And it's, you know, you see them in game books or they're just doomed products because, you know, D&D has already been done and it's called D&D and nobody's going to do it better. You know, <laughs> you think you might, but you're not going to sell better than D&D. No, just, you know. Yeah. You're you're not going to take on that Goliath. Everything other than D and D and maybe you know vampires is basically a rounding error in, the, in terms of <laughs> yeah. RPG industry sales. So uh, you, but there's still the people still come out with these labors of love and uh, uh, you know photocopies, uh, and uh, they're they're great to see. So I'm going to interview some game designers uh, like at VisionCon. There'll be Kevin Simbieta and uh, Jolly Blackburn, I believe. Uh, so I'll interview them first. I'll put those up as short ones and see what kind of response they get. And, uh, you know, Gen Con, talk to interview other people and then track down some people who design some of these uh, little mini or yeah. these, these labors of love. You can love. have Caleb with you when you talk to Symbieta? Uh Well, I think Caleb is would be either numb or <laughs> go into a berserk fugue, in <laughs> a fugue state. I don't want that. I mean, you know. <laughs> Uh, the the listeners would kill me because he has Call of Cthulhu games to run, you know. And uh, now we, we could always claim a that guy from Brazil would just murder me for if I if I ruin Caleb for that. Yeah, so. that's true. So, uh, so uh, to protect Caleb from himself. That's one of the ideas I have. There's also, of course, we're going to do Artemis Spaceship Simulator. Now we have to figure out the logistics of getting all of us together in the same room that we can so we can record it. And you know, it's only Windows Seven. Many of us have MacBooks. Oh my God, what idiots do that? Yeah. So we have to figure out all that. Uh, but we will record that. I think our first project will be Tom and Thad talking about pop culture. Perhaps we can have them have a conversation without them actually saying an original word of their own, just talk entirely <laughs> movie quotes. Uh, yeah, perhaps shows. movie quotes, television quotes, maybe even quotes from uh, famous world leaders or something. Yeah, just yeah. as long as it's not something they actually thought of. As long as yeah. somebody else said it first. So we'll 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 see. We'll, we've got a lot of things planned. Not, not, but of course, now I just got the camera. I have to learn how to use it and uh, all that other good stuff. So um, good things coming. So again, and then of course the Kickstarter. I've already posted a, a schedule of roughly of how the Kill Explosion game will go. Basically, I'm going to write the rules, a beta version of the rules, uh, and then email them out to contributors. 
and they'll get the uh, rules first, um, and they'll have a month to playtest them, and then once I get all the feedback from playtesting, I'll revise it and then lay it out in a nice fancy PDF mm. with art from Ian Moody and Violet Kirk. My and, little, my little drop And then your stories, yes, Tom's brilliant, you know, stories of machine guns and chicken suits and uh, whatnot. And uh, then we'll release it. And then once the main game is done, then I'll do the zombie versus human expansion. And then we'll go from there. So, right. uh, And then, of course, I'm going to run the games online Skype if you've signed up for $50 or more. I've posted a schedule of that, too. Um, so that will be in December. In fact, you know, uh, starting pretty soon. So uh, in other news, I did have a little money left over. So I signed up. I found a good deal for Minecraft server hosting, and I went ahead and put down a set up an RPBR Minecraft server uh, that has a four player maximum right now. Uh, we might expand it later on. Um, so there's already several people on there building all kinds of crazy fortresses and tree houses and all kinds of ridiculousness. I'm on there too uh, as Clockwork Joe. So uh, if you're a Minecraft player, jump in, you know, and, and build and shit. build your skull fortress. Yeah, build a skull fortress, crying magma, because uh, that's, that's that's what, what Yahtzee said. That's yeah, that's what you need. Uh, so. Um, that's it for our news. Uh, yeah, thanks again uh, for the for believing in us as our most successful Kickstarter ever. I believe we can fly. Uh, I believe we can fly. <laughs> and we'll, of course, have more in the future. So, uh, But this Kill Splosion, I think, will be a really fun game. I have a lot of fun designing it. Um, and, and Ian and Violet said they had a great lot of fun with the artwork. Yeah, the artwork, as you saw in the slideshow video, is pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Especially, uh, yeah. I'm going to have them illustrate your stories, too. That's going to be the remaining artwork aside right. from that. So each of your stories will have a little, you know, little picture. So. You're looking forward to the uh, guy in the chicken suit with the saw, right? Well, exactly. Why wouldn't <laughs> I? Why, who wouldn't? <laughs> You'd be Even crazy. Communists would love to see that. I mean, well, you're actually just, invoking communism. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a universal appeal. I think everyone on the planet would literally love to see a man in a chicken suit firing a machine gun. I can't argue with that. Thank you. I know you can't. You can't. Exactly. You. There's nothing you can say. So, uh, so we should move on. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about, we begin, you know, our usual episodes are advice for GMs because they're the ones who need all the help they can get. But, yeah, um, like, well, th- the, what, the ones that are the, the cat herders. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I thought we would do an episode basically focusing on the players and they are the backbone of the game. I mean, are they yeah. the and the millstone around the GM's yeah, neck. Yeah, and the millstone around the like just like, always the optimistic well like gm's optimistic. like everything like this game would be great if it weren't for the players yeah <laughs> um so we've talked about this a few times in the past but uh this time we're we're the premise of the episode is that we're challenging all of you who are actually playing in a role-playing game right now in a campaign or a series of one shots or whatever uh to undergo this challenge in 30 days or whenever you know the next four sessions uh, find some way, one way to improve yourself as a player and to improve the game. And this requires observation, analysis, and then acting on your uh, uh, analysis. So uh, to give you some context for what we're talking about, uh, Tom and I are going to be talking about the kind of things as a GM when we're running games that we'd like our players to do and some of the things we hate our players to do. Uh, doing so. If uh, only my players would do this, I wouldn't have to ease the pain by stabbing this red hot needle through my calf muscle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're just full of sunshine and cheer today, and you know, kitten hugs and oh, well, I love kittens. Parts. 
And that red hot needle is the same color as the sunset. (laughs) That's that's poetry, man. Um, Poetry in motion. All right. So the first thing uh, that I think of when I when I think about players and what they can do to improve the game is their backstory for their. If we're doing a campaign, uh, we know one shots. It doesn't matter so much because the one shots are all about the plot. And besides, those players are probably doomed. Right. Uh, Well, depending on the game, you know, if you're doing a D and D one shot, that's. eh. But. You know, we usually do Call of Cthulhu horror game one shots because you know, uh, yeah, they are doomed. Um, they'll fall, they'll fail their fucking mountain climbing checks sooner or later. So, uh, backstory is just there's a there's a such thing as too little backstory, and there's such thing as too much backstory, and there's also the the bad fit. You know, the b- backstory that doesn't make sense. What so, do we mean by that? Yeah. Um, too little is something that's you know very. You can it, it, my not, car- I, I fought in the war. And I came back. Then I started working for the government. Right. That's, that that's sucks. It. Yeah. Um, and then, then, or it could be something that's kind of long, but it's very vague. And it's just like I was doing bad things for bad people, and then bad stuff yeah. happened, and I ran from it. And yeah, I've actually I've encountered those. As mainly, it's like character players that want that want their characters' backstory secret, even from the GM. Yeah. And that, to me, like, well, I better know about it. Right. Um, so, yeah, exactly. That that just... Uh, so. Otherwise, you can't say, like, well, I pull out my Makarov pistol signed by the spy master of the KGB himself. Like, where'd you get that? Yeah. Like, well, it's one of those things in my... It's one of those mysterious things in my back. It's like, you mean, like, I did mysterious things and, and went to places? That? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, it's my, not my fault you didn't read through the through the subtext in those lines. <laughs> nice. I'm not lying uh, about that. That actually happened. Really? The Makarov pistol? Well, because actually, uh, fun fact, in the uh, original, the first edition, uh, Heroes Unlimited book, yeah, it actually had lists the Makarov pistol. Yeah. And it's a really like specialized pistol. It uses an ammo only used for that gun. Right. And of course, any gun that any gun in a book that's actually specifically mentioned and, you know, you know, shown you know, shown in any greater relief by players like want. Yeah. And this player made a uh made a spy. Yeah. And that was his backstory. And he had one of those pistols signed by like uh well he made up like the spy ma- like the spy master of the KGB. <laughs> nice. And we're like so okay that really that well that's amazing. Done doing extra damage like well it's a specially designed gun by the spy master. He designs guns. He's not just yeah. a master of spies. He designs yeah. guns and he signs them. And the signing is what makes them better. Yeah, because so he, I, I mean I have to mention this. He actually claimed that because it was designed by the KGB spy master, that gun should do that gun should actually do somewhere along of ten d six worth of damage per shot, <laughs> at <What>? least. <laughs> 10d6 damage yeah wow that's like that's that's literally equal to a hand grenade i believe yeah uh or actually hand grenades did 1d4 times 10 damage in uh, palladium so it was better than a hand grenade like and he argued it wow that's Uh uh-huh wow but yeah that's once again now if you had mentioned in your backstory this specific incident like it was a major part in your character's life I still would have had you lower the di- the damage, yeah. but I'd be open to, okay, maybe an extra couple D6 of damage to it. Yeah. But, you know, like, nope, 10D6 pistol. Got it. Because for those mysterious things I did. Wow. So, uh, uh, too little backstory. Yeah. 
No, no shit. No, no. Joke. That was also that was not just Baxter. That was also just being a dumbass. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a problem. I think you know players that don't be a dumbass. Just don't be a. Dumbass. But that, that's kind of like the huge overarching goal. Just don't be a dumbass. That's really for only right. people like they. Well, it, yeah, exactly. Don't be a dumbass. But that, that, that's, that's a little too vague. For, uh, not, not, it's not actionable, as they would say. Yes. In government reports. Um, so that's the too much, too, too little. Uh, there's also the bad fit, which uh, you know we have examples. Well, too much back. We haven't done too much. Too much. Backstory oh yeah, yet. too much. Too much is you know the 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 epic backstory that's pages long and very long and very demanding. You know, uh, where your character has multiple like, you know, it's just too long. You know, I mean, I don't and know brings Tim brings too many po- plot points into it. Well, yeah, I mean that that also kind of fits into the bad fit, which is either too many plot points and too many, or like it's incompatible. Like you were talking about the. Jimmy say in one of your yeah uh, I recently tried to run a vampire the masquerade game right. which promptly ended because I it's not like I fooled anyone I told them okay it's gonna be really it's gonna be Camarilla based right so uh, I mean, like everyone he says I'm open to some independence maybe if you can give me a a good reason for it so you know I had like you know Ventru Toriador Nosferatu and then another player like uh, like. Jimmy C. Okay, um, of all the clients you could have chosen, that's the hardest to bring him besides maybe the Bali if you're still doing them. Yeah. But I'm like, okay. Um, so he says, well, he's... Jimmy Z, for those of you who aren't familiar, are the flesh-crafting Draculas. Yeah, that... they're, they're, I mean, they're literally called fiends. Yeah. So I see, but he says, oh, it's okay. I'm, the, I'm, I'm one of the Jimmy C. Anti-Tribe, which is essentially the opposite of what you're saying. Bizarro. Playing. Yeah. So, all right. But then he's when he started then, so he I let him make the Jimmy C, you know, filling in the dots and all yeah. that, freebie points. So then when it came for backstories, he's still tortured without mercy, looked at humans as playthings and cattle, nothing good for nothing for food and experimentation, actively wanted to seek people out to torture them. So essentially he did everything as Jimmy C did, but but I'm I'm an anti tribe though. Uh, like okay, no. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty horrible. I mean, uh, like one person, you know, one person in a game did a setite. The, the followers of Set, but didn't corrupt people. Is not on the road of Typhon, which is their you know the corruption path. It was right. on the road of humanity. Right. Just happened to be you know his sire happened to be one who should have chosen his child more carefully because right. he he was not interested in corrupting people. Right. I could work with that. Right. But this was like I'm just I want to play a Jimmy C, but call him anti tribe, just so I can actually play him. Yeah, basically just switch teams. Like I'll be a monster, but I'll be a monster for that team, not this. And team. of course, his nature was monster. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had to like no, no, not happening. Yeah, good call. Now the thing is, now you think about these three, these types of character backstories. So then you you should think about what is the purpose of a backstory for a character? What is its use in a game? And the use is not only to help define the player character, but to give the GM tools to help that character uh, adventure in the world. I mean, that's the purpose of a backstory is like, hey, GM, here's some to- here's some things you can use in your game. Some pre-built plot hooks, some uh, characterization, some sort of likes, dislikes, some ideas. Now, the thing is with too little, then you're not given enough material to work with. If you're given too much, then you have too many to choose from. And the problem is... 
backstory is important, so if you give him too many to work with, then he can't use all of them, and then they'll be neglected. Or the other change, if you use all of them, then the campaign's about that one player character, and that's really fucking sucks for the rest of the group. And I've known some players that they want, they get mad if all the plot points they provide are not used. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's fine that your character is the chosen one who uh, was the last of his clan, uh, who's the last of his country, who uh, was trained by a ninja. And is a daywalker. And is a daywalker and also travels through time. But really, pick one. Because, you know, the Mm. thing is, the best characters in the fiction, the most interesting ones, are the ones that have a few interesting traits but are clearly defined i mean harry potter doesn't fight crime on the side he doesn't go out and like no. beat up muggers i mean and he's not like or uh, uh you know batman doesn't go out and practice learn magic on his own he probably you know or he doesn't uh, uh go out and have uh you know a well, actually, Batman's kind of hard to think of because he's kind well, of a Mary Sue. Uh, he does a little bit of everything. Uh, but most characters don't, you know. Uh, Indiana Jones doesn't fight crime, for example. Uh, so that's not what the character's about. He's an archaeologist. Superman he, doesn't go treasure hunting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he doesn't go treasure hunting. That Exactly. Uh, so he doesn't do what Indiana Jones does. Um, so, and Batman usually doesn't go out in the galaxy and, you know, fight cosmic evil, you know, what the Green Lanterns do or whatever. He doesn't try to be everything to everyone, because if you try and be everything to everyone, then you're no one. So, and if you're trying to make your character special, and, well, the next thing is, of course, you know, um... being special that's the thing about player characters they all have to be special which is fine because why else would you be adventuring if you were a normal person you fit in society why would you You be going to work you would be going to work and fitting getting you know a spouse and having kids and having 2.5 kids having 2.5 kids paying taxes and being a normal person you wouldn't be uh, go out risking your life in the abandoned mansion (laughs) find reading the book written by the madman to close the portal to the elder realm because like that's fucking crazy (laughs) you know (laughs) you're Uh, not gonna go home to your wife and kids after that yeah you're like oh yeah uh bob got ripped apart by something that cannot be described in the english language but uh and oh hey oh hey and i'm home and i lost all my money buying that rare book in the (laughs) antique store it's like oh and honey i have a tentacle for an arm now and i think it wants to eat you (laughs) yeah uh so if you give me that butcher knife i'll chop it right off and hopefully i won't die of the blood loss like how are the kids (laughs) yeah exactly like, My God, that would actually be kind of a fun thing to do, though. That, that would be fun, but it wouldn't fucking make sense. <laughs> no, and it would kind of, as you can tell, it would kind of collapse pretty soon. Or later. We Wait, should. Do, do it, we, by the way, I think we should do that. Actually, to have that like as a skit or something, then have like yeah. nagging wives when they come home. Well, that's a little sexist, but I mean, just you know, the, dealing with that, um, like. Uh, uh, I'd like to see, like, you know, uh, or the reverse roles, you know, the stay-at-home dad with the, like, the D&D fantasy wizard mom who's like, yeah, I had to kill the dragon, shut up, why is this castle dirty, you know? You have... Uh, like, well, it's like, well, honey, the kids were, the kids wanted to go to go fishing today. We were, well, I had to go watch the game, the goat murder game, where you, you watch a troll murder as many goats as it can in an hour, yeah? Well. Like, like, let me tell you, the guy they got now... Champion. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got a real shot at the title this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then Q domestic drama. Uh, but yeah, in normal, like, adventures that have Chainmail wife beater. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, we're getting off on a tangent. I'm sorry, but we but do that. In general, player char- players want their characters to be special, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, you want, you know, that. that well, that's a- actually, yeah, I kind of think actually playing the, playing the Jimmy C in a Camarilla game was along the same lines. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, like, well. I know he said Camarilla, but I don't want to be one of them. Right. 
but you want to be in the game, so I'll just fudge, you know, like, ah, uh, yeah, he's anti-tribe. It's just a uh, monster on your side, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll work. Or actually, even worse, I mean, once again, on uh, White Wolf, the most horrifying examples were still when we, I, back when we played Werewolf. Yeah. Somebody inevitably would have picked up one of the Changing Read books. You know how I know this? Because I was one of them. Yeah. There was, I was joining a... I was joining a werewolf game, but I had just picked up the Mokalay book. So, of course, I wanted to, bl- I wanted to play the Mokalay. Which, of course, if anyone will tell you, does not play well in a game that's not an all Mokalay game. And the Mokalays, of course, are the air- alligator dinosaur types. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of like the Rokia, in that sense. So oh, I should, Not fitting in with werewolves. Oh, the Rokia. Well, the Rokia kick ass if you're in an all Rokia game. Right. They're all. Chops. But otherwise, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, the GM was like, can't you just play a werewolf? Like, no, I must be special. Yeah. So, as you can see, the special snowflake syndrome is kind of annoying, to say the least. And if you're the player that does that, stop it that. out. Yeah. Stop that. Uh, try and transition. Or even if you have a special snowflake character, try and adjust him so he's less of a, you know, annoyance. Or <laughs> le- uh, less of a, you know, a square peg in a r- trying to fit in a round hole kind of mm-hmm. situation. Um, so, of course... Aside from your character itself, your your PC, um, there are other things you can do to improve uh, the game. Uh, you as a player can do one is understanding the rules. Uh, rules mastery is an important concept. You know, like a lot of people complain in the fourth ed, you know, new world campaign that the players didn't understand the rules very well. Well, there's a good reason for that. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't rule it. And if I've played it, and I mentioned previous episodes of playing in games where everyone understood the rules very well, and combat was so much smoother, much more uh, interesting when everyone understood what was going on, and like I'll use this power for this thing. Uh, so. It certainly improves the game. Now, even in the clips phase, when Caleb's running it, I try and look up rules uh, to keep... Okay, well, if he takes this many much damage, if he's taking two wounds, he needs to make, you know, a fall mm-hmm. but knockdown check and fall in conscious check. For, and I don't take sides. I, I try and be fair so that the players take it, too, you know, like... Um, so, there's that. Well, and, there's there's also a fine line between being knowing the rules and being a rules lawyer. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, you don't want to use... Like, rules lawyers always use it for their advantage. You know, Zell's representation of their PC's interest. (laughs) Uh, But if you're a player, then, you know, it it doesn't... Then the GM will stop trusting you if you're always a rules lawyer. If you just help him out when he's on a weak spot or something like that, you know. I try and present it in an open air, like, here's how I think it's done in this way. You know, do you're the GM, do whatever you want, you know. Yeah. Uh, But you're also open to interpretation, too. Yeah. Uh, and the GM always has final say. Otherwise, why are you even playing this game if you're trying to use control of him? GM, ah, narrative theory or something. So, um, <laughs> you that's, really, so you, that's that's one area you can improve. Uh, uh, rules mastery. Understand the rules better. Like especially if you're playing in a, a rules heavy game, learn the rules of what your character does. Don't be that guy's like, what does my spell do again? What do I do? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Like that's the real. Like even in the fourth day campaign, the New World campaign, the players. No one was ever so bad, like, I don't understand what's going on. What do I do? Like, that's just no, we, horrible. We do study beforehand, yeah. even, if it's, even if it's a cursory glance. Yeah. But we still, we know basically what we're going to be doing. Right. And so you don't want, like, I played in games where, like, the guy's, like, uh, doesn't understand anything what's going on. It's like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's just so annoying. Don't be that person. So uh, it's very. It's that happens a lot. That, that happens a lot when someone wants to get into role playing, but yeah, 
I mean, at first you can do that, but like you know, try and learn a little more each session so you're not as dependent on others. Don't and don't enable people that do that to be like, I'm not gonna tell you. Fucking learn yourself, or just pass a book. Like, yeah, exactly. Look it up. Jesus, don't be. A, if you're playing a role playing game, don't be allergic to reading. I don't understand people who hate reading and still want to play role playing games. I mean, what? I well, I I think a few people you know think of role playing games like video games. Yeah. Well, the computer's doing all the math in that. I know. You have to do you have to be the computer. Jeez. Like that's not too much to ask. Yeah. Com- compute millions of calculations per second. Wait, wait, that's you don't have to do that. You have to calculate add two numbers together <laughs> or subtract one number from Well, another. okay, unless you're playing champions. Yeah. Well, we're not Then you better be. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are people they chose that life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they chose that life, Tom. We're not going to like they know what It's their uh, lifestyle. Yeah, that, that's that's what that's what they get. They chose it. Like you can't defend That's uh, I say champions is the is the role playing game the Borg have to play? Yeah, because only they, only their collective hive mind, could calculate the shit you need to in that. <laughs> um, yeah, another thing I think is um, just in general etiquette. Like again, the person who doesn't pay attention, like the person, sometimes the person keeps asking, "What do I do? What do I do?" Because he doesn't understand the rules. Sometimes it's because he doesn't fucking pay attention. Like what's going on? Yeah, exactly. Um, now it, you know it's obviously you know checking your cell phone every once in a while. You know, or texting every once in a while, or doing something like that, or reading, or making characters for another game. You know, is okay. I, I well, I, I, uh, but I do say first, all groups do this. Yeah, every it happens to every single group. Yeah, and usually every single player, right. at least once or twice. Right. I mean, I do it sometimes too. Usually when I'm dead. You know, Caleb mm-hmm. with your fucking mind and climbing jacket. Not uh, that I'm bitter. Yeah. It happened a lot. I noticed it happened a lot when we were doing D and D combat. Yeah, when we were just waiting for our turn. Right. You see, I would pay attention, but I was running the game, so... You know. But you had to. Well, I mean, even when I'm playing in D&D combat, I pay attention, even when it's somebody else's turn, because, you know, I find it interesting. But I'm just a freak like that, obviously. You're, you're a monster. I know. Uh, so, but in general, like, what do you do? Like, like, it's not even combat, necessarily. There's some people who are just like, I don't understand why they're even playing the game. Like, they never pay attention to whatever is going on, and they constantly have to be asked what they're going to do. And it just never... that when combat comes up, they, they they have to be like, "Dude, you're on." Yeah, uh, or just like, "Hey, what are you going? What is your character going to do? You're in the bar. What's going on? What are you doing?" Like, uh, um, what are you doing? Is there, are there drinks in this bar? Yeah, you played with people like that, you know? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and it's just yeah. Actually, more horrifying. I I was in a game being run by someone like that. Yeah, who, uh, you know, he he would basically he would tell us where we were. And then his girlfriend would need something, yeah. or he'd get a text. Yeah. So, and the, the sucks about that is when he has to do that, everyone has to wait on him. Yeah. And he would do it constantly. Apparently, like, you know, like little, uh, you know, like, like, you know, hexes, like, love you, kiss, kiss, t- texts from his girlfriend wow. were more important than what he was doing there with four people sitting around his table. Yeah. Like, why, if you're, if that's your priority, why are you trying to run a game, you know? You can't have it both ways. Either be kissy kissy, you know, with her, or mm. be like, you know, run a game. But that also I mean, that's happened with players too. It's yeah, like, no, it does. That's why we're talking about it. It's a, but yeah, it's like girlfriends keep texting you, right. or um, or yeah, some other distraction, you know, uh, it pops up, you know, and it's just uh, very rude for the other people that are playing yeah. the game. One time, it actually killed a killed a game session. Oh yeah, 
it was uh it was back at back in the uh my actual high school days. Yeah. We were gaming at someone's house. There were three of us, well, three players in the GM. Yeah. And there was a far side comic book. Yeah. And one of the players, you know, during scenes would just pick it up and start reading it. Yeah. Not flipping through it, but reading each one. And occasionally would like have you read this one? Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Yeah, that's that's really rude. Don't be that guy. God, how could you do that? Especially, well, first of all, yes, I've read everything Farside. Yeah. I've seen it before. And second of all, put the fucking book down. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, the GM actually has to say, made a new rule. When he was running a game, no books that didn't have to do with the game were allowed on the table. Yeah. Um. So, in general, if you're a player... Yeah, like this could be your one thing. Don't bring distractions to the table. Put your cell phone on silenters, you know, vibrate yeah. or whatever. Uh, or I say, or, or if you if you really are expecting books. something important, tell yeah. everyone, hey, I gotta like I gotta have this with me today. Right. I might, but it better be a legitimate emergency. Don't just do it yeah. because like you want like oh she'll get angry if I don't go send her a kissy face every hour or whatever like that. Besides, there are apps that will yeah. send one every hour on the hour. <laughs> yeah, there's an app for that, <laughs> undoubtedly. So. Uh, so yeah, just try to uh, uh, control yourself at the table. You know, remember there are other people there, and they're trying to have fun, and your actions influence what they do, like how they're how much fun they're having. So you know, don't be a negative Nancy. Don't be a distracting Danny or whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I got. Uh, don't. Yeah, <laughs> just don't, Ross. <laughs> um, and finally, you were talking about things you were doing as a player, like to improve the game, and you mentioned something about like playing against type. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to say it. Everyone who listens to any of our regular plays know my favorite type of character. And I, no, I'm not even going to say it. You know it. But I do occasionally, you know, well, often the game won't allow me to do it. So, but I still, but I don't shy away from those games. You know, that's, I've, had, I've had some, you know, players have done that where I've mentioned, you know, the play, the game has been announced only they say, "Oh, this says, oh, okay, I this, now I want you like, but I need everyone to play this particular like species or this race." And so like, well, no, I don't want to play that. Yeah, you know, it's like D, like a D and D game. Like we actually, he wanted like the GM wanted everyone to be humans because you were all part of the same empire, which and everyone was fine with except for the person who always, always, always played elves. This was the kind of person that he want. This was the uh, this was a otherkin type type person. Yeah. Who probably believed he was, but that's what he always played. But when he couldn't, he just threw a big sulk. Yeah. But me, like, even games where I, when I can do it, sometimes I'll play something different. Yeah. So, you know, in D&D, even when there's an option of playing something monstrous, I'll play a human, or I'll play a... Well, you know, Vashik, Vashik is a... Right, in the new world campaign, you played a lawful good character, which is very unusual for you. Well, the thing, well, the reason is being evil's a lot easier. <laughs> It really is. There are, I mean, well, you remember the times at the table when you know you presented us with your fucking moral choices, I know. and I like they see that I'm like, God fucking damn it! If I was evil, this would be over now, but I can't. Poor Tom. And I looked at you. And I hated you and loved you for it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So you had more enjoyment because you actually had to play. So yeah, it was and more also of a challenge. It helped the GM too, because I, I imagine because it gave you know gave you some shit you could do to me, right? Because you know you didn't wouldn't just throw in like uh, you know it wouldn't like if the orphan child ran up to me like please sir I need your help you know you don't you know I'm not just gonna go 
It's like that's that's great. You know, they break it and then slowly strangle him to death and just like hush, little baby, <laughs> start singing that. But no, it's yeah. actually like that's what I said. I have to help this kid. There's no there's no other choice. Even though the whole the rest of the group is you know they're all all out ahead of me, ready ready to go. But no, I have to help this kid. Yeah. Son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> I actually, I've said several times, looked at you with rage in my eyes. Yeah. But I went along, and it yeah. made it made things better, I think. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing is, if you're playing a character, like, and this sort of goes with it, too. If you're playing a character uh, that's kind of hard to role play, like, don't overdo it. Like, actually, less is more sometimes. Like, the reason I bring this up is because of the whole fish milk idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, fish milks, uh, if you're not familiar with the term, it comes from White Wolf again. So many of the, these the examples yes. come from White Wolf for some reason. Uh Almost if they're there, it's drawing. Well, I don't want to draw any conclusions. Um, but in there's one clan of vampires called the Malkavians, the Malks. And in one of the supplements they had for it, they had a picture of a Malk, a Malkavian kissing a fish. And someone used that to describe the, this tendency for players to play, you know, an insane character as the goofy, wacky Johnny the Homicidal Maniac slash Invader Zim. Like, look at me. I'm so wacky. Yeah. You know. I have always contended most players cannot play crazy properly. No. It's really hard. And, like, for me, I'm playing Bartleby, a, you know, an insane person in Eclipse Phase. And I'm finding it a very challenge because I, I want to make sure that I'm not just normal. I'm like, I'm crazy, blah, blah. But I do everything normally. But I don't want to be, like... Uh, you know, I don't want to be a fish mouth either. So it's it, it's very challenging. It's very rewarding for me to try and like do this. So I don't know yeah. what well, how, I, I, have I been doing with no this? quite well actually. And I would say GMs as one. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. If you announce, I'm going to play crazy, but then you play it that way. You're like, thank you for playing crazy that way. <laughs> yeah. Because GMing for someone that all they're going to do is just you know wibble and then yeah. stick pencils up their nose or something. Okay, and anyone else want to do anything that's actually real? You? Right. So, I mean, the thing with, for me, like my idea with Crazy is that in order to show his insanity, one, I had this whole, you know, delusion about the Red Queen, which if you listen to the clips of his actual plays, you'll find out about. But the uh, uh, other things, I figured some, if I made certain choices that were important, uh, that that would be a way of demonstrating my insanity. One, for example, was you know, a general sort of blasé attitude towards life. You know, like, killing people didn't matter to me because, like, you can always be received. I just didn't see the value in it. Or my character did. Um, and then the other thing would be my character would, however, sympathize with people that were in a similar situation that he was once in. Yeah. Which would be, like, being imprisoned in simul space is something like a trigger for him. So, like, anytime I see someone who's like that, I try and rescue them. Uh, so, like, I would... And then uh, and then also... Feed, so, those are the kind of things I do. And make... I, the thing is, I didn't feel the need to constantly reinforce the fact that I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, crazy people try not to be crazy like they try and hide it as long as they can because the you know the consequences yeah, most crazy people don't revel in it you know it reminds me of like um someone said about acting like if you want to act like a drunk don't act like a drunk in other words try to emphasize the fact that you're trying alcoholics try to hide that they're alcoholics they do everything they can to to try and 
outwardly sign to people that you know similar you know make signs to people that they're i'm not a drunk i am a you know sober person so they overcompensate they you know they they're very uh stiff in their movements or you know like whatever. i can drive i can drive i can yes. drive yes i am normal and rational blah 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 i am not a drunk so with me that's kind of my idea with bartleby is he is not he's trying not to be crazy um so he is trying to be normal whenever he can um, and so I don't constantly feel the need that every single session, every single interaction doesn't have to be like, I'm crazy. Blah, 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 blah. Like, like I have pants on my head. Yeah. So he's functional too. So he's, you know, trying not to constantly, uh, uh, so there are many scenes where I act normal. I don't do anything unusual or weird. It's just every once in a while, I just try and play that up. And just about most crazy people can really seem lucid most of the time. Right. So that's the, that's the kind of thing. So that's my how I approach that particular role-playing challenge. So when you're trying to role-play your character, I think a lot of players feel the need that they have to constantly re-emphasize their shtick or whatever there is. If I'm a lawful good person, I have to be lawful and good and a paladin at all times in all ways. Right. Or if I, I'm playing a barbarian, I have to be Conan all the time. Yeah, well, I've, no, it's not. See, Conan's actually a very sophisticated, very complex character. I, Conan, I, I, have, I have to do the Conan stereotype. You have to be, yeah, Thundar the barbarian. Like, me strong, me, I'm smash you. Um... But Conan, if you read him, he could fit in into kingly court if he wanted to. He could seduce a sophisticated courtesan if he wanted to. He could fit. Uh, he could also get along in a thieves' den. You know, he could. Uh, he could talk to a wizard without killing him immediately, even though he hates wizards because it's like, well, this particular wizard has something I need, so I'm going to help him. That I could probably. It would be easier to get and not kill him. Yeah. Um, so Conan could act different in different situations, even though his personality was the same. He expressed it in different ways in different situations. Other players think that, you know, I have this one stick, me dumb barbarian, so me use this hammer on every single situation I have. And that really gets annoying. Um, so you, you have to have a sort of like, think about the character and what they want to do and how they would act out. I know this is like, eh, improv acting, eh, crazy, um... Well, that's part of the gaming thing. Yeah, exactly. So when you're role-playing a character, try to vary your stick. You're not, it's not bad role-playing if you're not constantly doing it. I, I just see that so often that they have to do the one thing over and over again. I can't, I'm a paladin. I can't have fun. Having fun is illegal. No one else can have fun. Eh, you know. No one can drink. Temperance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's one type of paladin. That's not the only type of paladin. You can be lawful good and be the life of the party. You know, uh, like water into wine, everyone. Come on, really. You know, celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, uh, the, the the you think about characterization. There, there. It, it's you try and be a little more complex. And that, I think that's another yeah. thing. You know, actually, and, um, playing against type, playing against the same yeah. type. The I, actually, yeah. we in, we encountered uh, in a D and D game I was in. We encountered a really awesome example of that. Yeah, we we're going into a lich's den. Yeah, who's like he like he's this, this has been his den of evil and where he works magic for like a thousand years. But when we came in, you know, we had to, I mean, he has still had undead minions everywhere. We had to fight. When we got to him, he was actually just so thrilled to have visitors to his place that, yes, he was still evil. Yes, he was a lich, but actual conversations with people that could talk back to him. Yeah. He welcomed us. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, that, who was running that game? Uh, this was uh, back. This was. Is that Geekers? Yeah. I think this one, yeah, this is one of our Geekers games. Okay. But yeah, it's, I was like, wow, that was kind of, I mean, still evil. Yeah. But just, he didn't want, I mean, he didn't want to, he didn't want to fight because that would mean this, he 
could no longer talk to us. Right. He valued the thing that he didn't have, you know, which mm. was conversation. That was the one thing he lacked despite all his power. So that's another thing. Think about what your character lacks. What he wants, what he lacks the most, that's what he wants the most. And so, uh, and that can be very different. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's cool, but he actually started like, oh, the, you know, the, the, you know, the webs and the dirt that he'd just gotten used to over millennia. Yeah. Suddenly he's like, oh, and starts trying to clean the place off. And yeah. So yeah, that, that's a great and, like, scene. None of us had the heart to kill him because he was, he just seemed so pathetic. <laughs> yeah. So like, oh, you're evil, but uh, it's like, he's evil. And he's, you know, he's, he actually has souls trapped in jars on his shelves, but this yeah. was back from, like from adventurers who tried to kill him in his early days. Yeah, when it, they were threatening his power. Now he says, "Like I wish I could talk to them." I, he says, "Well, actually, he did. He just yeah. talked to the jars on his shelf." Yeah, that's. Which, sad. I, but I mean, yes, a little bit, a little bit off topic. But I love that a lich that's living for millennia. Yeah, yeah, it's might go, scene. might go crazy from well from isolation. Uh, anyone would like, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. Their pri- his priorities change too, so he is no longer evil. Like that's another thing. People change over time. Um, you know, and I, I might, might start thoroughly regretting what he becoming a lich a thousand years ago, right? Or he might decide to redeem himself, or he might decide uh, to become like I'm going to become a I'm I'm going to go above ground and become rich. I don't care. I'm going to become a business tycoon. Ah. Another challenge. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there's a number of ways, and so we, with your character, think about different ways you can characterize them. And like for for example, you in the Eclipse Face campaign, your character you know is the you know, the octopus socialite, which is very interesting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but you're you're coming up that that you're eventually going to have to make a decision. Are you going to be full time firewall, or are you going to be like the full time socialite media host? Because eventually it's going to come to the point where you know it's I can't be- I can't be famous and be a member of firewall. Well, you could be a member of Firewall, but you can't go out on missions and mm-hmm. go out and, you know, save the universe from existential threats because that requires, you know, keeping secrets <laughs> and, and not explaining things to your co- parent company. Like, uh, yeah, I was off the grid for three weeks and uh, yeah. I'm in a new body for some reason. Uh, like, oh, uh, also my charge account's getting ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah, here's the episode, you know, um, or you can't, and I can't tell you why. So. I was hacking the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. <laughs> So, Sorry, had to do that. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing you have to think about. So, like, how are you going to – I mean, obviously, you haven't come to that decision, but how are you going to role play it? Uh, <laughs> is it going to come down to – I mean, what are your character's motivations at this point? Mm-hmm. No, what are they? Yeah. I mean, he loves – I mean, he loves being the socialite and his show, but he also realizes that living – like, surviving even in, a, in this solar system is a very fine thing yeah. for everyone. Yeah, so he's probably gonna yeah, like. So for him, it's like the greater good, like sacrificing his personal happiness for what he believes mm-hmm. is the greater good, the cause. So uh, yeah, okay, that'll be interesting to role play out. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of a tidbit there for our Eclipse Face players or listeners. Um, so that kind of uh, goes over some things you can do, some ideas for you to specifically improve your game as a player. So we challenge all of you who are playing in games right now, do one thing to make your game better as tell, a player. And then tell us. Yeah, post in the comments, post on the forums, uh, Twitter me or tweet at me. At, you know, I'm at you know, twitter.com slash Ross Payton. Um, uh, Ross Payton, published other. Or go on the Minecraft server and tell me on the Minecraft server. While, you're, while, while you build your skull fortress. Yeah, my skull fortress. Uh, I believe uh, someone's already set up a mumble voice over IP, uh, voice, you know, voice 
uh, server so we can chat along doing that. I haven't I haven't investigated that yet, but uh, yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, next up, we Tom of course will have a letter. Yep, I have uh, a letter, and then we will have a show to shout outs and anecdotes and all that good stuff. So. Stay tuned. <laughs> My letters are normally just about things that are pissing me off. Little tiny things that have no real relevance in the grand scheme of the cosmos, but whose little tuning forks of annoyance hit me at just the right frequency as to cause me to have small psychotic breaks that propel me into a fugue of rage that I waken from hours later in the woods with the bloody body of a transient before me and raw flesh and blood in my teeth. And this letter is no different. Well, maybe different in size and scope. The thing that pisses me off now is game-related, but a very tiny piece of gaming. The game is World of Darkness, and the little nugget of rage is the status background. Now, I'm mainly putting this one to Vampire, as both of my unfortunate encounters with the status background were from this game. The status background represents your position in Vampire society. Having nothing in it means that you are the vampire equivalent of a rock critic, pointless and beneath notice. Having a full five means that you are the equivalent of a prince of a city. Now, most neonates should have no status. They are brand new for the most part and haven't had a chance to make a name for themselves. No, playing a new vampire with some status is certainly possible. It can even be fun. I played in a game where one player was sired by the Ventru Primogen, and he had some status because of that. He would often drag us along with his political misadventures, and we had a blast. But this is not what causes me pain. It it is the player who wants to start with a status of 5 and to have all the power that goes with it. This has happened twice in my gaming experience. The first time ended exactly as it should. The GM refused, and every after a 20-minute crying session in which the player accused the GM as having a moronic fag who couldn't see the inherent awesomeness of his character, he stormed off in a huff. And we had a very good game without him. The second time, the GM allowed it, and what followed could not be called a clusterfuck, as that would be a great disservice to clusters of fuck. Such a high status give, gave the player the title of Prince. That in and of itself was a red flag so big that if placed at the very bottom of Challenger Deep, it would still rise far enough into the sky that low-flying airplanes would have to keep an eye out for it. It said that A, the GM would allow anything, and B, the game wasn't going to last long. And it did not. I'm not saying that a game in which the players are powerful people with much influence in local and global affairs can't be fun. Quite the contrary. Intrigue and power plays on a large scale can be great. It's that very few people can play a powerful leader very well. And this was soon after high school, so you, could, you also had to throw in the, to the mix a load of raging hormones and deep insecurities. The player portrayed the prince as a horrible crossbreeding of Gordon Gecko and every stereotypical version of the hedonistic Roman emperor. He called the primogen into a meeting so they could pay tribute to him and shower him with wealth. He had lavish orgies, despite him being a vampire and thus unable to feel sexual pleasure. He blatantly tried to assassinate the President of the United States because of a new crime bill that would put more police on the streets of his city. And when the inevitable coup began to throw him out of power, he expected all of his minions to fight to the death for him. That's when I realized it. He was playing general like it was a video game. His units stood their ground and fired bullets, trying to whittle down the enemy's life bar before their own life bar expired. And when that unit was dead, he sent in a new one. In fact, he was literally trying to make new units like it was Command and Conquer by embracing hobos, giving them assault rifles, and telling them to die for his honor. I am not making that up. And imagine his surprise when those new vampire hobos turned on him and cut him down with AK-47 fire. 
the players screamed at the unfairness of it all and never played again. After about ten minutes of gaping in amazement and the unbridled hilarity of what we had just seen, we took a break to get some food. And then we came back and continued the game, this time as vampires picking up the pieces after taking part in a bold move to oust a corrupt and insane prince and restore the order and peace to the city and uphold the masquerade. Our characters received great thanks from the Camarilla for our actions, and the GM gave us all a free point of status as heroes of the day. It was a wonderful and ironic gesture, one we cherished for quite some time. Still, I don't recommend much use of the status background. It seems like a fun idea, but very few people can pull it off correctly. Most of the time, all you end up with is tears, screaming players, and vampire hobos. So for the good of everyone and everything, just don't do it. That is all. And we're back. And what was, uh, you're telling me, Tom, what exactly was the phrase he used as soon as he, like, had risen, uh, uh, created these vampire hobos? It's like, go forth and die for my honor. (laughs) That's what he said. So imagine the hobo, like, from the hobo's point of view. You just wake up. Your heart's not beating anymore. You're not breathing. You're not breathing. You're freaking out. And then there's some pale and, and guy. And by the way, they hadn't even had any blood yet. Yeah. He had, there's some guy out there who's like yelling at you. Uh, go forth and die for my honor. <laughs> they, and he literally, they literally had assault rifles just pressed into their hands. <laughs> and he's surprised when they turn it on him. And what's funny is that... He, if he was a little more patient or a little more intelligent about that, he could have had an army of vampire hobos if he had blood mound them. Like if mm. he had fed them his blood, then they then he would have a team of oh. mind controlled slaves. But which I didn't mention in the letter, but the one of the kicker, yeah. he actually kept essentially a larder full of hobos for just this purpose. <laughs> but he kept them as humans. He didn't turn them. No, like, he said like I'll turn them in the I'll t- when the emergency happens. I'll turn them then. <laughs> <laughs> like it takes three nights to blood bond, bond somebody. So well, three, like, three, you know, over, yeah, giving their blood over three nights. Yeah. yeah. So you do that, and then they're mind controlled. So at least you know they'll be dependable, like the units in a video game. Like the, like in StarCraft, Marine isn't going to go off on his own. He'll do go exactly where you click him to go. So like they could be like that, but no, he's not even. He has built-in mind control powers if he was just intelligent enough these, to use them. Thing is, like when, when I mentioned, like he he went to assassinate the president. He sent his sheriff to go assassinate the president, <laughs> and his By himself. Well, I mean, the sheriff. I mean, of course, the, the sheriff of the city was, you know, like a low generation, very old, you know, yeah. uh, bruja, just a a yeah. killer. Yeah. But he was also loyal to the Camarillo. So when he got that order, he went to the prince. I mean, this was in New York City. So he yeah. went, you know, he went to visit. You know, he get, put in a call to the prin- a prince in Europe saying, uh, "This prince is insane. He just asked me to go kill the president." <laughs> and they said, "Like, we'll be right there." <laughs> Wow. So yeah, that kind of makes sense. So he was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to shoot." And the you know, and the GM told the guy, "says like, you know, like your 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 loyal your still loyal servants have you know said that that there's a like the like the European you know Camarilla, which are like the the true el- inner circle of the Camarilla, have just put a blood hunt on you." Yeah. And they, he says, they will die by my hand. <laughs> well, at least he was ambitious. So. And. Uh, Oh my god! I can't even believe it. Yeah. I suddenly remembered what his plan was. What his plan was to deal with them. Yeah. He was going. He asked to. He wanted to go find the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. <laughs> 
and basically and uh, embrace him, make him his slave to get the launch codes <laughs> for the nuclear arsenal. And then once once the once the sheriff killed the president to steal the football, and then launch missiles at like London and Paris and Rome. <laughs> Well, at least he had a plan. <laughs> he had a plan, yes. And wow. the G, the G, I got the GM was. A, I'm at a loss. <laughs> what are you doing to my game, you monster? You're destroying. No, but there were like there was like there were five players in this game, so the other four players were just. We're what? gonna have to kill. We're gonna kill this guy. <laughs> wow! It was. And if, well, if he didn't do it ironically, I wanted that. I want, I'd, love, I'd love to see one try some, just like totally derail one of my games, just to see what happens. Like I love, like, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna fucking assassinate the president. Like I'm gonna buy all the statues. Like because I like to see where that would go. Because that would be kind of fun. But I don't know. Like yeah, it would end badly though. Like, like that it, would, well, the campaign would be in so shambles. So like you know, if we suddenly in your. Uh, you know, in the Twelve Talents, we just went to Washington, crashed through the White House, and I'd be like, "God damn it, I'm gonna have to stat up all the super secret <laughs> service bodyguards in the ideal now, and then we'll have another fucking two session fight where you, you trade punches with." So know. essentially, it's like the, it's like the Illithid City, except it's the White House. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, but yeah, that happened. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's when I realized that yes, as bad as the games of early high school and just after were. Yeah. This, they, were, they were entertaining. Too, you so. you have stories. Yeah, you do have stories. So, shout outs. Okay. Uh, first off, I'm going to mention the RPPR Minecraft server again. Uh, the address will be in the forums link that I will be putting in the show notes. Uh, so you can go there right now. There's a four-player maximum. That might change in the near future. Uh, so show up. Don't be a douche. Don't wreck other people's shit. Um, there's signs on most of the buildings. So, yeah, uh, there's that. Um, next up, uh, we're both mentioning this. So yeah. Um, yeah, Skyrim. Yeah. I know, like... We usually it, don't it, mention it, super big popular things like that, But so. no game has sucked my life away like this game has. Yeah, I haven't put as many hours in it as Tom has, uh, but yeah, I've put in yeah a good number of them. It's, it's a game that actually kept me from doing things, other things I should have been doing. Yeah. I haven't had oh, a game yeah, like that here. in a long time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And what I love, actually, what I, I'm mentioning, it's very rare that a game has been hyped up this much... And have it live up to that hype. Yeah. This is the first game that's done that in a long time. So, bravo, you life-sucking vampire game. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, uh, next up, uh, I'd like to mention a movie we both saw just yesterday. Wow. uh, Called Rare Exports. It's Finnish. uh, And it's about Santa Claus. And it's... But... (laughs) It's not... Like... Well, I'll just post a link to like the trailer, and there's really how do you describe it? Uh, well, uh, there's a few things I could say. Yeah. Uh, twenty foot tall demon in ice. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Um, old man junk. Yeah. yeah. There's that. Yeah. That's yeah, a European film. And um, human trafficking incorporated. Yeah, well, well elfin, elfin tra- tra- trafficking yeah. incorporated. Uh, oh my god, it's a crazy ass movie. So, so watch it, I guess. Yeah, yeah just uh, watch, watch it, it. <laughs> and um, be changed forever. Yeah. Um, next up, I'd like to mention uh, Knights Black Black Agents. 
this is a new gumshoe game from Kenneth Height. Uh, it's about mixing vampires and espionage. So think about Jason Bourne with the Camarilla, or basically vampires. Are, nice. Like Project Treadstone is about vampires making you know vampire agents instead of like that, or you know kind of like that. Uh, it's got new mechanics for chases and all that kind of spy stuff. Um, so. Yeah, I haven't got it yet, but it just sounds badass. Uh, so, uh, Tom, you were mentioning something. Uh... Yeah, I. Uh, well, first of all, like I know this is another not exactly an obscure thing, but I love it. I bought the uh, first season box set for uh, Boardwalk Empire. Okay, that's a series from HBO. So, you know, set during Prohibition, yeah. where Steve Buscemi gets to actually play the main character and not get killed. And boy, and boy, howdy! It HBO doesn't shy away from violence. It does not. That is HBO. It's not TV. It's <laughs> HBO. Exactly. Uh, next up, I'd like to mention another RPG uh, that I have gotten called uh, Black Crusade, which is the newest Warhammer 40K RPG. Uh, and this time you're playing the Agents of Chaos. I'd play this one. Uh, yeah, what we're go- what I'm going to do is I am going to run a game of it one shot, but I'll make all the characters first because it's got a complex system. Uh, and then I'll come up with a scenario. And the thing is, I like the idea of playing rebelling the rebels that are fighting the Imperium because the Imperium, if you're reading 40K, is fucking insane. Totalitarian, theological... Well, like the emperor. It, well, the uh, yeah, the emperor's a god emperor. Yeah. Well, and he's dead, but he's mm-hmm. not, and it's bizarre. It's a very complex, weird setting. But like, I could just see it. Like everyone else is just playing a person who's like, oh my god, everybody in this universe is crazy, and they they become agents of chaos because that's the least crazy, ironically enough. Uh, well, that's my premise, so I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't written it out yet. But anyways, uh, Black Crusade, beautiful uh, production values, art, uh, good writing. Uh, you can play Chaos Space Marine or a uh, human heretic mm-hmm. uh, or heretic or, you know, renegade uh, or any number of things. So that's cool. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Also, there's a uh, graphic novel I really I really like called uh, The War of the Undead. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's got a lot of plot in it. Yeah. It's, you know, just after World War Two and some Nazi agents want to bring back Hitler there you go for there. Yeah. But they want to do it by using the Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein's monster and a huge army of zombies. Yeah, well, yeah. Obviously, that, that, that's and, a very good strategy. And, and nothing bad or violent happens. <laughs> uh, There's a picnic. Who, who wrote it or uh, do you I can't, I, or it's, who it's, drew it? I can't it remember. It sounds like a Mike Mignola thing a little bit, doesn't it? It's, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's Some of the art works kind of similar, but it's uh, not, definitely not him. Okay. Well, that sounds cool. And of course, they, I know they, and Who they publish it once again. It, this, it was, it's not any company I recognize. Oh, okay, it's not but yeah, they also teased about the next part they're doing, which is like you know, Mar- the Martian invasions of the fifties. This time with, and it shows Dracula in like kind of a fifties spa- space age of course. suit of armor. Nice. Uh, speaking of that, that kind of classy stuff, uh, I like to mention a documentary I just saw called American Grindhouse, mm-hmm. uh, the history of exploitation cinema from you know the beginning of cinema to Black Dynamite, so from Freaks to Black Dynamite, uh, you know everything from you know like Grindhouse started even before you know the seventies. It was actually you know, like in you know there there actually used to be like in the forties uh, theaters that were open twenty four hours a day, and like they would just show bad movies all the time. They just, in fact, like homeless people would get tickets just so they could sleep in them, so they sleep indoors, so uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, before TV, man, things are different. Uh, yeah. Then uh, let's see, you, you, there was a movie you just saw that you wanted to talk about. 
the Patton Oswalt one? Oh yeah. Um I had a list, and I told you, yeah, that's. I recently bought. I recently bought this. Well, it had Pat Oswalt, so they had me at Hello. Yeah, but I wasn't expecting him to be that good. It was. What is it? It's a, it's called the fan. It's where he plays this obsessive fan of a football team. Yeah. Who I mean, one of those kind of fans. Yeah. And uh, he ends up, you know, he ends up meeting like his hero on the team, who then proceeds to beat the crap out of him. Yeah. Only it just makes him more fanatical. And Patton Oswalt really could, I mean, this is, it's a funny movie, but not in a comedy way. Yeah, black comedy kind of. Not even that, yeah, kind of like, I guess kind of like that, but man, Patton Oswalt's really great in this, and the, the woman playing his mother, Yeah, she's really good too. Yeah. It's just, you, you've got to stop doing this. Yeah. No, uh, great stuff. Cool. Um, I've always, I saw one of those motivational posters recently that people do for uh, funny things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it said, fantasy football, D&D for jocks. Because <laughs> that's what it is, basically. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, finally, uh, or a few, a few more. Uh, one, um, I saw uh, an ebook that I liked recently. I just showed it to Tom. It's called "Citation Needed." It's a someone's gone through Wikipedia and picked some excerpts of some of the weirdest entries and some of the funniest ones, and just kind of like compiled them into this ninety-nine cent ebook. So it's a good kind of light, funny, right, reading. right. Um, so, cause, uh, uh, like they had one that was uh, hilarious. Uh, well, they've had several that was uh, hilarious. Um, Inglewood, California, Dare America, D A R E. Uh, you know, Dare to drug drug, drug awareness, drug awareness res- and resistance education. Yeah, America has its headquarters in Inglewood. Despite this, in the 1996 rap hit California Love, Dr. Dre remarks that Inglewood is always up to no good. That is actually something somebody wrote in Wikipedia. Like, wow. Yeah, Dr. Dre, he knows what's up in Inglewood, and it's no no good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, also I got one more. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's a riff track. I mean, it's a riff tracks that Ross and I watched. But and but it's I'm more coming. The riff tracks, of course, is good as always. But it's the movie that I found amusing, which was Laser Mission. Yeah. Because I actually, well, I mentioned this because I got a chance. I know I know someone that is like a crow fanatic. Yeah, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee is in this movie, Laser Mission, and so is Ernest Borgnine, playing a laser scientist of indeterminate country. Yeah. He literally he literally uses French, Russian, and German, and Spanish. I counted all four languages came, coming out of his mouth. Yeah, whatever, whatever accents, whatever phrases he could use. Yeah, and... First of all, I'll say it has no lasers in it. Yeah. But it's I want to say, for people to think Brandon Lee is... It's like he's it's like he's like he was a god cut down in his time. Watch that movie, then no. come back to me. Well, it was the, the crow came afterwards. So. It did, but it, I mean, these are also the people that think he didn't. He was just awesome all his life. Yeah, like no, he had to work yeah. like most actors did. Um, and finally, I would like to mention uh, two podcasts I listened to recently. Uh, Fear the Boot and Genisodes, uh, they both had interviews. I was just on a, a Kenneth Hyde kick recently, uh, and I listened to, they both interviewed Kenneth Hyde. And they were, well, actually, one was an interview with him specifically, and another one was a, a game design panel he did uh, at a convention. I forget which one. Uh, but it's he has a lot of good insight into game design uh, and like you know what is the purpose of D and D? D and D was originally uh, uh, created to provide continuity between fights. Like, yeah. fight some kind of, like, this is how we got from fight A to fight B. That's it. That's all it was. And it did its job remarkably well. And mm-hmm. um, 
it went on from there. So uh, if you wanted to listen to get some really good, uh, I've been, of course, on a game design kit because I'm designing a game, Kill Explosion, right now. So that is why I listen to those. So that is amazing. I know, right? So uh, it is a interesting uh, listen. So uh, and so, thank you, Fear the Boot and Genocides, for uh, doing that. Uh, so yeah, that's our show. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so finally, we have the anecdote, and um, we've been playing a lot of Call of Cthulhu lately. Uh, we've I've done two scenarios of Caleb's Run one recently. Uh, one was called The Construct, and I'll be running that on the Skype mini convention for Nemesis. I don't want to spoil that, but it's yeah. like crazy. Oh my god! Uh, then Caleb ran one, which was a mountain climbing game that he had was play testing. And I posted this on Twitter that I, my character died because I had a climb of 50% and, and a con of 7 and a strength of 9. I was climbing the fifth highest mountain well, in the world. I think what it was is Caleb used B, you know, the Bayaki program yeah. and just went with the first set of stats he that wrote. Yeah, I know that. But, like, a 50% climb? Really? Really? Like, yeah. So I, I sh- You shouldn't be up on that mountain. Yeah, no. I was like, uh... What? How do I climb the mountain without having to make a climb check? Because as soon as I'm going to make a climb check, <laughs> I'm going to fail that. I know that. 50%? Really? So anyways, um, but I ran, the second game I ran was called Operate Heavy Machinery because I finally wanted to really lionize that skill, which I feel Which like, is never used. Yeah, because it's one, it's just a cool idea. Like, Operate Heavy Machinery. Okay, that's kind of weird in a game of, you know, library use, photography, spot hidden. Operate heavy machinery. That kind of stands out like a sword, <coughs> doesn't it? It's like, it's like I am well versed in the occults of the world. I can ride. I can drive a four. I can drive a bulldozer. Yeah, exactly. So um, I, the scenario is set in a slaughterhouse, uh, an industrial slaughterhouse meatpacking plant in Nebraska. Uh, Upton Sinclair, eat your heart out. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, bad things happen, and there's flesh-eating monsters and all kinds of crazy insanity happening. So, Tom, why don't you just tell about your character? I was playing the machinist yeah. at the plant. I, I operate that. I uh, everyone. I think everyone had operate heavy machinery in this. No, actually, half the players didn't. Oh, well, I had it. You were one of them. And Aaron was uh, the other. I think. And I was the mechanic. And we were, uh, we were the well-paid, skilled workers of this meatpacking plant. Yeah. And we, let's just say, we didn't exactly uh, do smart things in this game. No, no one did. No. And of course it it ended in my death. Yeah. When I tried to speak to a monster. Basically they were there was one building that was still under construction so there were bulldozers and things around. Uh and the player uh, the the survivors of the initial attack were hiding or taking shelter there. Uh but in the back where it was most built up, you know, someone had died, someone had been thrown something in the shadows was throwing spears up above and mm-hmm. you know, in the rafters. And so you and Caleb went to rescue the NPC, and then Caleb, you know, you got, got attacked. I rolled ridiculously poorly because I always do in Call of Cthulhu, and uh, so you're you, you're attacked. And you're what was your reaction? I want you to I describe like, your words. Like, uh, I believe it was I. I used words along the lines of "It's a, like we're not here to fight." <laughs> It's okay. It threw a black organic spear at you, and you're like, "We're not here to fight." After it already attacked someone, and you stood your ground, and then it threw its spear again, and, and it missed uh, the first time. It was actually the third spear it threw, or third or fourth, killed me instantly. Yeah, as you had, yeah. So, but ironically, no one used that skill in the game. I know. That's why. Oh my god! If you had, I would have already posted it by now. But you didn't, so I'm not like. Ugh. Uh, like, and Aaron, of course, had the best death, though. 
Because oh, Aaron, yeah. Aaron, basically, there was a cliff behind the meatpacking plant, the one cliff in all of Nebraska. Uh, and that was preventing the escape because uh, cultists had set up, like, rifles on there. Uh, uh, and they were shooting anybody who was trying to escape, just run away. So that's why everyone was, you know, cowering in that building. Um, Aaron found a tunnel that led from a small building to the parking lot on top of the cliff. That's where the executive management management were. So he got behind the cultists and he, he could get into a car and escape. But instead of just driving away, Aaron, like a boss, decided he was going to save the day mm. and uh, run over the cultists with his new car. But he failed his driving check. <laughs> Twice in a row, uh, I said, well, Aaron, you can either stop the car because you failed your check, or you can double down. And if you double down, you'll be fine. But if you fail your second time, you'll go off the cliff. And he fucking doubled down. And he rolled. <laughs> Not like a boss. And he, he car sailed off the cliff, hit the ground. That sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Caleb uh, was chased, almost got away, but was chased down by the giant flesh monster and you know, consumed. consumed, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason character showed up like and managed to escape because he made a really good persuade check and blah blah blah. So, but, but the we, world, but was, the world was still fucked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Call of Cthulhu is a fun game. It's where if you fail, literally, the world can end. Yeah. Uh, or if you take the wrong decision, let's try to talk to the monster throwing spears. That that, that well, work. did the monster at least for like one second? Like, I can't believe this is happening. No, it didn't think like a human anymore. Okay. Hunter predator type. So, sigh. You, out of all people, I would have thought would have figured out what it was doing. So, but, well, what can I say? Yeah. I was drunk on life that night. <laughs> I guess. All right. Not booze, though. Yeah, uh, we know, Tom. Uh, so, uh, this has been RPPR episode 67. Be a better player. And I'm Russ Payton. I'm Tom. And we'll see you next time.